Welcome to Inside the Pages, presented by the Cornerstone of Grace. We're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m., Wednesday Bible study at 7 p.m. We believe the Bible is the Word of God, therefore we're faithful, we're bold, we believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the Word of God. I want to remind you to save some dates. May 30th, May 31st, and June 1st. It'll be here before you know it. We'll be celebrating South Cal Pentecost, Southern California. So I want to invite you to, to join in with us for that celebration. That's May 30th, 31st, and June 1st. Now, if you're not able to be here, I want to also invite you to send us your prayer request. Send us a testimony. Let us hear from you, you know, how you've been blessed by the word of God and your encouragement. Something that may even encourage us as well. And so you want to go to ConnectingTruth.org. That is ConnectingTruth.org. And send that information over and through our connection page so that we can print that out and post it in the program that we'll have so others may know as well. Certainly we thank and praise God for his goodness and grace. For this is the day that the Lord has made and we can rejoice and be glad in it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your kindness. We thank you for your mercy. Oh God, how you have blessed us throughout this day. You've given us a reasonable portion of health. We just honor you, Lord God, for your kindness. We honor you, Lord God, for what you're going to do. Lord, I pray and ask that you bless us, Lord God, and help us, Lord, in this day that you have given us, the remainder of this day, Lord God, throughout the night, Lord, we pray that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray against unrighteousness. We pray against false teaching. We pray, Lord God, that, that your will, your will is done, that you help us, Lord God, to do your will, to do what you have called us to do, and that is to live holy, to be good stewards, good stewards financially, good stewards on the job, good stewards in, re in the relationships that we have, Lord God, and networking and the different things, Lord God. I pray and ask that you would help Lord, each one that's under the sound of my voice and those that will be listening, Lord God, um, in the respective time zones, Lord, we just thank and praise you. We ask these blessings in the name of Jesus. Lord God, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, Lord. You said if we acknowledge you in all our ways, with our whole heart, and we don't lean to our own understanding, Lord, that you would direct our path. Lord God, if we just acknowledge you, and that's just what we're doing, we're acknowledging you, Lord God. Lord, we're seeking you, Lord. We're not looking to lean to our own understanding, Lord, but we're looking and listening for your guidance. We're watching and praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we want to talk a little bit uh, we're, um, of something that occurred in Genesis, the 24th chapter. Let's direct our attention to 24 and verse 67. 24 and verse 67. 
So here we are in the book of Genesis, touching the law, the universe, earth, man, and spirit. We're touching the cause and design of all things. You know, I'm I'm at all. I'm so amazed with what I'm learning in my science class and some things you're I'm learning more in depth. You know, there are things that you hear, that you pick up, that you learn, but then there are times that you dig into those things. Uh, and it's mandatory because of your, your study. And so um, one of my classes at the university um, is a science class that I selected to take. And there is so much information and I'm just like, wow, at God and his design, because it's impossible for things to just have to just happen without a design, a designer. And so he is the designer of all things. The Bible said there's not anything that was made that wasn't made by him. I mean, it's just impossible. The complexity that is put together um, in in a cell, in the nucleus and other um, things that we are learning and just touching. We're just, just touching the surface of it. And so my hat is off to those that are really science buffs and gets deep into um, these particular areas of learning about genomes and different things and um, the nucleotide and, uh, you know, and phosphates and DNA and, and disease and what causes things. And, you know, and the Bible said that that knowledge would increase. And that's what the Lord told Daniel. And we live in a, uh, uh, overwhelming amount of knowledge. We're exposed to it on, on so many levels and you have to let yourself be exposed to it if you're going to uh, thrive um, as well. And God does look for us to thrive in, um, in our natural as well as our spiritual. At Cornerstone, we do not teach that you are, that you're spiritual and, you know, no, it all works together. Adam knew God, but he still had to till the ground. Uh, Cain was still a farmer. Uh, Abel was uh, uh, a shepherd, you know, so there's still work to be done. When Caleb came to the uh, came to the mountain and uh, he remembered the promise that God had made, he said, he told Joshua, he said, uh, he asked for his blessing and to be able to leave because God had spoke to him and he said, I'm well able to take this mountain. So he knew he was going to have to do some work. And so you're going to have to do some work, put some time in. And if you're not willing to put the time in, don't don't complain when you get a 3% increase if you get that much. If you're not willing to put the time in, sometimes putting the time in means that you have to leave where you are too. It certainly was, uh, I remember on the job, um, a, a Mormon bishop. <laughs> Uh, he told me he was the chief financial officer of the company and he knew my desire was to transition from accounting into um, into programming and the programmers or the head of that department, they are really not bending. He said, I could get you, I can get you to the table. I can get you to the table, you know, and, and then he told me after speaking with them, he said, you know, they're, 
prophet is without honor in his own house. In other words, you may have to leave and go outside of the company, and which I did. I applied for a position in the sister company. And then from there, it launched my career in IT. And so um, where from there, I went on to become director for 10 years uh, at a company that was not even related to them and looking to go forward further even now. All right. Giving you a little time to find Genesis, the 24th chapter, um, six, six, verse 67. I want to talk a little bit about comfort. Comfort. In this life, the pilgrim that we're, uh, we're on, comfort is needed. And most of the time, we look unto God. You know, you will say, I prayed about it. You know, um, I saw the Lord about it and, you know, I read my scripture about it, but is that enough? I'm not taking anything away from God in what I'm saying. In this life, we need comfort. Most of the time we, we look unto God as we should, but there are other needs that we share with each other. Comfort is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint. It is the easing or, or alleviation of a person's feeling of grief or distress. Very simple. And we've, if you've lived any time, you, you know what I'm talking about. Adam was comforted with Eve. She was his equal partner. She was not his footstool. She was not his back scratcher. And she may have scratched his back and he may have scratched hers, but understand that um, she was equal partner. She was pulled from his side, not his back. And, and so uh, Eve was comforted by the birth of Seth after the death of Abel. And so comfort is something that, that comes through a source of things. You could be without employment. I, I've been without employment before. And you're not comfortable. But then when you get that particular gig that you've been trying to get, um, you're comforted by that. And all the, the pain and that you felt is gone. That new employment became a, a source of comfort. Jesus told the disciples that the world would know us or as being his disciples by the love that we show one another. And man, man have messed this up in so many ways. I've heard things said within even, you know, my own ears uh, where people have taken the love and they've only directed it um, to their friends. They've only directed it to, um, to their local assembly where they gather at. And they're very standoffish to everyone else. But the Bible said, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. Now, Leviticus, Leviticus, the 19th chapter, it talks about comfort. And I'm using the word comfort in place of love, because you're not going to comfort um, unless there's love in place. Now, Leviticus 19, 17, uh, in verse 18 says, thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt not, thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. 
and not suffer sin upon him. In other words, you're not wishing pain and, and suffering on anyone. Thou shall not avenge. So for those that want to be vengeful, be angry and sin not. Nor bear a grudge against the children of thy people. So we're not supposed to be walking around harvesting and holding stuff in our heart. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And so we're going to love and love is going to produce comfort. It is going to cause you to do, um, to have a more gentle touch than what you would normally have. And, you know, when you practice doing something after a while, it becomes the norm. John 13 and 35 says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. Now, I, I hear people mention the body of Christ, and we're not going to go into that. I'm not going to touch that uh, because I really wonder what what is meant by that when it come out of the mouth of individuals uh, compared to what where they're getting that from and what the Bible has to say about that. It says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples is how we love one another. We're not putting our mouths against each other hanging out dirty laundry and doing things that is going to bring shame against one against the body would you do that do you do that to your own body so why would we do that to a spiritual body why would we do that to one another the bible tells us that how can you say i love god and you don't love your brother that's standing right next to you 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 god you don't even see god but you see the person next to you and you don't love them. You won't comfort them when it's time or when you have the ability to do that. Did you know that the greatest gift is not prophecy, is not healing, is not preaching, nor knowledge or wisdom? And this is just a few gifts that I've named. There are other gifts. And um, you read through uh, Corinthians. There, there's other gifts, but these are gifts that people like to throw out there. Uh, you know, these are gifts that people follow. But those things mean nothing if, if there's no love there. And the Bible says that. Now, you can read the 13th chapter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. It says, and I'm not going to read all of this, but it says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not charity, love, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So if you're dogmatic, you don't comfort no one, you know, it's all about um, you being harsh and hard, rough around the edges. I'm not talking about a novice. I'm talking about someone that is skilled with the word, you know, but you don't have any love. And that's a different thing. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and not all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And you can read the rest of Corinthians yourself in your own time, but you get what I'm saying. Because all of that stuff is going to fail. And the only thing at the end that's going to be left, as the 13th verse of that same chapter says, and now abide in faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity, love, comfort, how we treat one another. Because how we treat each other is a reflection of what we're doing to God as well.
Love embodies comfort. It embodies sympathy. It embodies empathy. Now, empathy is shown in how we have compassion and understanding we give to one another, where sympathy is more of a feeling of pity. Uh, so if someone is sad, you don't, you should also uh, may feel that sadness too. Now, Jesus told his disciples and those listening about a good Samaritan. He said there was a, a, a rabbi, there was a Levitical, someone from the Levitical priesthood that saw a man wounded. The man had been overcome by thieves and they left him for dead. And so did the so did the rabbi, so did the Levi. And um, but uh, the Samaritan saw him, uh, helped him get to a safe place, made sure his wounds was taken care of, and that he had lodging, so that he would be comforted. And then you'll find that in the tenth chapter of Luke. Now listen, when we talk about holiness. And you hear me say this a lot, that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And that's because that's uh, certainly the Bible says that uh, Leviticus tell us to be holy for God is holy. But God is also compassionate. He, he's loving. You know, everyone loves to repeat John three sixteen. 16. You, you know, some of our our anchor above shirt has John three sixteen on it. Um, and the and you sit on people on football games and different things for God. So loved the world. God had compassion for us. And so with that compassion uh, on a multitude of levels and understanding inside and out the relationship or relationships that we have, certainly it would be the same with our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. Now, how much better would it be if all relationship would be and the enhancement of all relationships it would minimize the divorce rate if there's compassion. You know, if we walked uh, looking to comfort one another. Now, it's very interesting. We read about how the population of, of the children of Israel grew. Uh, and they were in some rough times. They were in slavery. And their population grew because after a hard day work of trying to create bricks, um, having hard taskmasters, the when they came home, they needed to be comforted. And their wives comforted them and helped them, helped the men relax so that they could go to sleep, so that they could get up the next day with less stress. Same thing with other areas of life and slavery, you know, um, I was watching um, uh, um, an episode of a movie and they were talking about how women, you know, in this modern day and time should not serve uh, their husbands. They should not cater to them. And the grandmother was sitting there and she didn't say anything. And after everyone had finished making their discussion, they're at the table and they, they're just kind of uh, fixing their, their plates and everything. The grandmother spoke up. And said when her husband came home, it was the only place that he could be king of the castle because of the brutality and the racism and different things that he had to endure during the day. Why should he come home and have to do endure that? When he come home, he should be comforted. He should come home and feel like he is the king that he was created to be. When he come home, he should not have to fight 
but he should feel comfort. And it goes for you, for the women too. When they come home, they shouldn't have to deal with the strain and struggle um, either. Uh, if it's if they're a stay-at-home wife, then you know that those children uh, can be taken out to go play. Matter of fact, that helps the male relieve uh, some of the tension that he might be feeling is to get out and play and play with the children and have some laughter, time of laughter while she take a break. How much, how far would that go if we all showed uh, some love, just a little comfort, some comfort? The scripture tell us that Isaac lost his mother. We read that throughout Genesis that, that she had lost, that he had lost his mom. Now, Genesis, I don't think I read this, but forgive me, but let, I'll read it right now. And Isaac brought her into his mother's, uh, Sarah's tent. And he took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So, the transition of time and things that occurred um, as it does with us, it did with them. Isaac uh, was dealing with stressfulness of losing his mom. He had not gotten over that. And so uh, he lost his mom. This impacted him. If you've lost your mom or your dad or another love, well, you know what I'm talking about. We lost our mom and this was an impact on each of us. The, the only, the most comforting thing that, that I had that I knew was that she was saved. She was serving and she enjoyed life and knew her time was drawn near because I found a letter that she had written uh, about six months prior to her um, transition. And she didn't share that with, with none of us uh, for a good reason. Because, you know, uh, when our loved ones are uh, in a state of transition, they will hold on as long as we're there. And, and when we leave, then they will uh, continue to transition. So the spirit of man is yet alive, whereas the body is ready to go. The spirit doesn't die. The spirit is eternal, but the body goes back to the to the dust of the ground from from which it came until that day that the Lord transitioned and the body shall be changed from mortal to immortality. And so uh, sometimes we know uh, time. Uh, we know that things are about to occur. Maybe there's a dream. Maybe there's an unction that you might have that lets you know the expected happens. And the unexpected happens. Job did not know that he was going to suffer and go through the things that he dealt with. He didn't know that. His friends certainly were surprised and they did not comfort him. They insisted that he must have done something wrong. You know, sometimes you're dealing with some things and, and you know you haven't done anything wrong. And, and Please, when you make that statement, be honest. Know for sure that you have not sinned, that you have not done anything to provoke or cause that thing to come up on you. 
then you can say that with a clear conscience that you did no wrong. And even with that, people can say things that will make you examine yourself and even make you think that you did because the accusations are so hard only to find out that you did nothing. You didn't do anything wrong. And you have to stay on your ground and be a person of integrity. And people will see when you are a person, when you're a man and woman of integrity. I recall it being a year after my father had passed and I felt very uncomfortable. I was discomforted. I, I was uneasy and I, I couldn't understand why. And it hit me that I had never grieved my father's passing. I was busy. I was there standing by his side every day um, till late in the evening and then going home, going to bed and then going back there. And, um, you know, I had never grieved. And then my family members were saying, well, you know, as his oldest son, you know, there are some other responsibilities we're asking you. And I did, I yielded to what they were asked, but I didn't grieve my father's passing. And it hit me years later. And I understood that, you know, I yet needed to grieve and be comforted in that area. I was so busy doing other things and serving his wife and my, and my brother and, and helping with preparations. So no time was spent. Um, no time was comforted. When my mom had passed, my sister and I, and it's been years, it's been years, uh, but about four years ago, And she was feeling the same way. And we realized that we were both grieving the absence of our mother. And, and so these things, and maybe you have felt that as well and didn't know how to express it, you know, but with us talking and being able to communicate that with one another, it brought about some comfort as we began to reminisce on the craziness of our lives and things that we did and you know, what mama used to say and stuff like that. Maybe you have had the same experience, the same thing. Maybe you were told to get over it. You know, there are situations and things that I've dealt with little people. It's like, get over it. You know, life happens and different things. And I, I learned from that, that that's not very comforting. And I would not tell that to anyone I experienced that and I, I don't wish that upon anyone. Don't tell anyone to get over it. Don't tell them life happens because usually the person that's saying that has not experienced or dealt with anything. They're just blurting out things that they said with no compassion at all, no love, no comfort. Matter of fact, they were not even there to comfort you in your situation, but yet they will tell you to get over it. That's not, that's not, um, that's not cool. I'm going to put it that way. Let's put it that way. That's not cool. None of us should, should speak like that or act like that or tell someone to get over it because you don't know what they're and how they're dealing. The Bible tells us that we should consider ourselves before we even approach a, a person. 
Think about how we you want to be approached before you approach them. And so I've learned this in uh, in absence and the gap of sharing information. Uh, I've learned some things and I thank God for what I've learned. Everyone is not fully transparent. It could be they're not transparent because of fear, because of uncertainty, because of a lack of words of expression. Maybe they don't know what to say, so they they don't say anything or what they do say doesn't doesn't really make sense. And if it don't make sense, then it is nonsense. The Bible says, and Isaac brought her into his mother's tent. We can only imagine what the conversation was. And he took Rebecca and she became his wife. Now, this is Rebecca, the, the young lady that the servant went out and brought back um, at the request of Isaac's dad, Abraham. And she became his wife and he loved her. He loved her. The relationship uh, was, was fantabulous. And the Bible said that Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So how long had this been that Isaac walked around um, with this, with mixed emotion of what he was dealing with that no one else may have been able to pin out or, you know, to talk about or to talk with him? Certainly Abraham um, himself, he dealt with the, the death of Sarah. It was very hard for him. The scripture doesn't say it was easy. He was grieving. And we're, we're, we're not even in the 25th chapter yet. And you could go ahead and start reading the 25th if you want to. We'll touch on that again. Um, we'll touch on that next week. The Lord say the same. But as of right now, Isaac was comforted after his mother's death because of Rebecca. Your wife should be comforting to you. You should be comforting to her. It's all right for your wife to see you become emotional. It's all right. And it's all right for you. Well, you might look and say, well, you know, I expect her. She's a woman to be emotional. Look, man, get over that. It doesn't make you, it doesn't cause your masculinity to, uh, to subside or become less than anything because your wife see you become emotional over uh, a situation. Anger is not the only emotion that men have, you know, and so there's a time that we are protectors of our children. There's a time that we are kings. There are times that we are, uh, that we are mentors. There's a time that we are friends. None of that has to do with being a tyrant or being a dictator or, you know, being un- uh, walking around angry or, you know, or anything like that, but knowing how to balance out our emotions and show them so that our children can trust in who we are, that we're well, well-rounded. And uh, certainly the wife know that you're well-rounded and that you know what to do in public, you know what to do in private, you know, and so being comforted. She was a comfort to him, as we ought to be a comfort to one another in our relationships. We ought to be a comfort to one another. You know, certainly um, 
we should not be all of that at church where we are, you know, the, the, the church members are saying, well, you know, uh, that, that brother is so great and so helpful. Shouldn't nobody be able to express that more than your wife? Should no one be able to express that about any minister, uh, male or female, more than a family member of how great of an individual you are? If you're all great to everyone else and your family cannot express that, that is a false balance. And a false balance is an abomination unto the Lord. So we need to make sure that we have all our checks and balances in place. There's a possibility some areas you, you feel are empty at this moment. Like Isaac, you're looking to be comforted. And any of us that have dealt with something, or uh, we know that there are some little gaps that need to be filled in. You know, there's areas that where you look for comfort, you want to be comforted. And that comfort comes from relationship. And God knew that. God knew that relationships bring about comfort. That's why he created Adam a help me. It was to comfort him. It was to help him along the way. The only one that says, well, I don't need a person in my life. I don't need a woman. Say, I don't need a man. Okay. That's not what God said. And man said, well, I don't need no woman. That's not what the Lord said. That's not what he said. Nope. So, and I, I really want to say something more to that, but I'm not going to. But understand that that lights have plugs. Understand that. All right. And that's how electricity flows. And we have light. Only Isaac knew the fullness of his discomfort. Sometimes we look at a person that workaholic. That shows that there's discomfort. Uh, just like drinking, smoking, sexing, uh, eating. Uh, these are all emotional responses to being uh, to not feeling comfortable. Uh, there's a reason, um, and so we en we engage those different things until we get them under control. Until we are comforted, till we feel comfortable in a certain area that, and then we stop, and then we stop. So look at you know oh they work. They work very hard to, well, there's something absent. And that's why they're working. All of this shows that there is an imbalance. There's an imbalance. And so things need to be balanced out in order for us to feel comfort. And that may come through an individual. And I'm stressing that because, yes, I know the Bible said, cast your cares upon God for he cares for you. I'll keep you in perfect peace. It was mine and stayed on me. That's true. That's all true. There is nothing. Uh, that's what the Bible says. And that's fact. He will do all of that. But he will also comfort you through with your companion, through your companion. That's why we have companions. It's not good for man to be alone. All right. Many times we try to ignore these things by not talking about them. You were told not to say anything, to ignore, to hide and. So it's not released into the atmosphere. Don't say nothing. Don't say I don't feel good. You know, I'm having a bad hair day. You know, to, today, especially if you're if you live alone or something and you have other desires and stuff. And, and you know, they were talking about mental health during the holidays that people felt 
and anxiety, high, higher levels of anxiety during the holidays because they were alone. And you can't ignore that and say that that's not true. I've heard people even in, uh, even express that within the church that they're away from their family and they wish they weren't. And so, because at that point, um, pretty people are, you are spread out and it's not the same. And so sometimes that leaves you alone. And that brings about that anxiety, a discomfort. You're not comforted with, you're not comfortable in that situation. There's a discomfort until family and friends come and then there is comfort. So we shouldn't ignore those things and say, well, that doesn't exist in the church. The devil is a liar and he's the father of all liars. So be, be real. Let's be real about these things so that then we know how to respond to them. It's nothing wrong that if you feel if you feel uneasy about something, you don't like something to say, you know what? I, I feel a spirit of depression trying to come upon me. I, I don't feel comfortable today. I don't feel happy. Because with that, you can deal with it. You cannot fight um, something or you cannot deal with it if you're not willing to face the reality of it. You got to face it. I don't have a drinking problem, but you, you smell like alcohol. You're not telling me you spilled it on yourself. It, you, you poured it down your throat. Let's, let's be for real. When a person has when a person has a situation that they deal with, I only use that because because others have used it to say that hey, there's a problem, and people are in denial. Don't be in denial when there's a problem. That's the point of it. Don't be in denial. Now in First Samuel the thirtieth chapter, First Samuel the thirtieth chapter talks about David and his men. It says it came to pass when David and his men were come from Ziklag. On the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag. And they smote Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they took the women captive. And uh, they didn't just take the women, they took the children, they took the young, they took the old, they took the wives, uh, they took the sons, the daughters. And, the, the, and David and the people, the men that was with him, cried. And I mean, they, they were grieved and they cried until they didn't have no more strength, no more power to cry. And so they were upset. They were upset. And the Bible said David was in great distress. Now this is the, the first Samuel, the 30th chapter. You can read that on your own time for the people spake of stoning him. They, they wanted to hurt David. You're our leader. We've been out with you and this is what we come home to. Because the soul of all the people is grieved, every man for his son and for his daughter. But David, it said David encouraged himself. David had to face this reality. He had to deal with this situation and understand that these people are upset. They're not happy. And they're the people of God, just as he's a man of God. And they're not happy. And David had to dig deep within himself. And the Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. So David had to reflect on, 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 on God's ability and what the Lord has done for him in the past to encourage himself because it was a lot of discouragement. There was a lot of discomfort. And that is 
that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of how they felt. David and his men were out, and when they came back, they was met with an unexpected surprise. These soldiers, these men of men were crying until nothing else came out of them, and they turned their anger unto their leader. David had lost too, and he was grieving too, and pain filled his heart as well. He did he did not could not ignore the emotional roller coaster that he was on. He had to encourage himself. Sometimes we have to reach deep within ourselves, and he had to rely on God's ability and what God had done. And when we look at what God has done, then it reminds us that if he did that, he can do this. He can restore what was going on. So David was seeking comfort for himself. And without, if he started to feel discomforted, if he started to look dismayed as if it, the situation was hopeless, how would he be able to stand in front of his men? So David was seeking comfort for himself and his men. Uh, he had to face the pain that caused the, that was caused by the hands of someone else. This impacted them naturally and it impacted them spiritually, just like the impact of Sarah's death upon Isaac. It impacted him naturally. It impacted him spiritually. Yes. And the Bible don't use those two words for him to say that it impacted him. But think about yourself for a moment. Think about the reality because everything is not spiritual. The Bible says first come the natural, then the spiritual. So when we deal with situations, it's just like this, and I, I like to tell people this and remind them, you're not going to be all spiritual. And, and, you know, you got everything together spiritually and you bankrupt naturally. And when I say bankrupt naturally, I mean that you're not a good steward. You're not handling things. I'm not talking about how much money you have in the bank. I'm talking about the way you handle things, the way you do things. Your, your, your words are not seasoned with grace. The only time that your words seem like they're season of grace is when you say hallelujah. Other than that, you got a very bitter mouth, and, and I'm putting that very nicely. Uh, how can the Bible talks about uh, a tree does not bring forth uh, sweet and bitter fruit, neither does a well bring forth sweet and bitter water. So you're not going to have them both. Naturally, we should have things in order, and spiritually, we should have things in order. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be a time that we need to be comforted. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Listen, my time is up. I'm going to stop right there. But I want you to know and remember that and sometimes we need to be comforted. That comfort could come from uh, from just sitting down talking. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. You may just need to be a good listening, a good ear to hear what's being said. That can bring about comfort. A smile can bring about comfort. Laughter. The Bible said laughter is like medicine to the heart. A hug could be comforting. You know, someone may need that. 
there's a, a, a elder. I've known him for years. I knew him when he was brother. I knew him when he was a deacon. Uh, he is an elder, and you know, and I still see him. And he would just say, "Be encouraged." And you could already be encouraged, but those was his closing remarks when when you're walking around. Be be encouraged. And those words, I found those words to be very valuable. I found those words to be very valuable as I heard them echoed one day, even in my spirit, when things was, uh, was, was seeming a little gloomy. I, I was reminded of those words and I realized how powerful those words are and that he's the only person I know that says that, be encouraged. Even when you're encouraged, be encouraged. Someone else may need to hear those words be encouraged. And so tonight I say, be encouraged. There's comfort. Allow yourself to be comforted. Sometimes we reject comfort. You know, we feel like, oh, I don't want to be all mushy, but listen, uh, Isaac needed Rebecca. He needed Rebecca to help him get over some things. And so we are the vessels and tools that God used to help us get over or to help someone else get over some things. Father, I pray and ask in the name of Jesus that you would bless your people, those that are, have heard your word this evening. Lord God, as you know, there are areas in our lives that we need to be comforted in. There are things and situations that we're dealing with, and we may not talk about it with others, but in the morning or during the day or when we're, laying down at night, it may visit us and that thought is on our mind. Lord, I pray and ask that you have blessed the married couples, that you have blessed the husband, blessed the wives, be considerate of one another as they are. Bless them, Lord God, Lord Jesus. And those that are in relationships that they're nurturing for marriage, I ask that you have blessed them the same. And be considerate, Lord God, and as we approach people, help us, Lord God, to, to walk in the conscious awareness of how we conduct ourselves and consider ourselves as we talk to others to be a, a voice of compassion, to be of help, Lord God, to be genuine in what we do. Ask these blessings in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for opening our eyes and our understanding. Lord God, we'll continue to give you praise and to give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, I just want to remind you again to save the dates, to save uh, May 30th, May 31st, June 1st, because those days will be here before you know it. And we're going to be celebrating the Pentecost service and um want to invite you again to visit connectingtruth.org, connectingtruth.org, and send us a testimony. Send us, a, uh, maybe it's a prayer request, you know, but as we put together our program, we want to list those that are listening and how they've been blessed through the, uh, through the ministry as well. And so if you would visit connectingtruth.org and send us your testimony. All right. Be blessed. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Ghost 
rest, rule, and abide henceforth now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.